I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. You know, I just want to thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast. I was so excited when you said that you were interested. Um, so thank you again. No You're welcome. First and foremost, can you share uh, share a little bit about yourself? Just tell you know me and the listeners whatever you would like us to know about you. Sure. Um... Well, let's see, where to start? Um, I guess my elevator pitch that I tend to give is that I am a visual artist. I'm a speaker, a mental health advocate. Um, I'm a mother of three, uh, three neurodivergent boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my oldest has ADHD and deals with anxiety, and my younger two are autistic. Um, What else? Ooh, I'm a um, disabled vet, uh, Air Force, mm-hmm. and I currently, uh, I, like I said, I'm a visual artist, but I also run a arts nonprofit uh, that elevates and supports the work of black and brown women identifying abstract artists like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is called Tessera Collective. And so we currently operate a storefront studio and gallery space in Philadelphia. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, so what is a mother? When you hear the word mother, what comes to mind? What do you feel? What does that question spark? I would say I would say for me that term sparks uh, feelings of um, complexity Mm -hmm. Uh, it's definitely a complicated thing for me um you know, being a mother myself, but then also having a mother, mm-hmm. uh, both experiences uh, are very complex for me, especially because I was taken from my mother at a very young age um, mm-hmm. while my parents were going through uh, the finalization of their divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my father took me from my mother, um, and, you know, there were about two or three years where she could not actually find me. Mm. Um, it was, you know, that, that triggered a very, uh, deeply rooted, uh, wound, Mm -hmm. you know, a mother wound around abandonment Mm -hmm. and, uh, that I still, 
you know, I'm 37 now. Mm -hmm. This happened when I was about two and a half. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I still work through that. Mm -hmm. I still work through that very deep, um, uh, wound, Mm -hmm. uh, wounding, um, in various ways. So it shows up in my parenting. It shows up in my, uh, in my relationship, you know, with my partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of like vulnerability, intimacy, um, it shows up when I'm faced with a lot of change and mm-hmm. ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I don't do well with either of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that they are the, that they are part of life's process and, you know, I understand that they're necessary, mm-hmm. um, but they freak me out. I was going to say, it doesn't make Um, them easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it all, you know, the main reason for that really does stem from this um, experience that I had in my very early, you know, formative years as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. And it definitely impacts still the relationship that I have with my own mother to this day. Mm. So... I, you know, when people ask me about motherhood, especially my own experience with being a mother, um, you know, I say it's complicated, um, primarily for that reason. And then also, you know, growing up with my father, mm-hmm. I had six stepmoms mm. and, uh, had to go through the experience of each of them for their own safety and peace of mind. Cause my father was very abusive. Mm. Um, at some point, you know, every three to four years, you know, uh, re-triggering that original abandonment wound because they would have mm-hmm. to leave. Yeah, yeah. You know, for their own self-preservation, for their own health, for their own safety, um, oftentimes. And so abandonment, um, as it relates to motherhood, is a huge, um, a huge issue for me. Yeah. And then when I became a mother, uh, I started off, um, you know, when I told my partner at the time that I was pregnant, um, he pretty much left me. Mm. So I started off my experience with being a mom started off with me being left Mm. to fend for myself. So again, just that, that ongoing theme of abandonment, Mm -hmm. um, and even once I uh, had my second child, you know, with my who the man who's my husband now, mm-hmm. um, I still had to. Our relationship was so new, and mm-hmm. so there was just so much to work through. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety following the birth of my second son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also complicated my experience with motherhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of that to say, it's a very complicated, complex um, word for me mm-hmm. and experience. Yeah. So um, I definitely that's pretty much how I describe it to people, yeah. you know, when they ask me, I say, Oh, well, it's complicated because yeah. it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it very much is. Yeah. Um, 
but it's also interesting too. I uh, I don't know if you're into astrology, yes, or horoscope. <laughs> so I uh, I'm a Cancer rising, mm-hmm. and the older I get, the more the traits of my ascendant mm-hmm. come out. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm uh, my my sun sign is Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting that the more that I kind of work through all of, you know, that trauma and those deeper woundings and, you know, work to kind of heal myself and my inner child um, as I gain stability and security, you know, in my life now as an adult, mm-hmm. um, those Cancerian traits definitely show up mm-hmm. and they're definitely, you know, cancer is all re- is related to the mother, mm-hmm. right? And to home and to, uh, you know, love and development and nourishment. Mm-hmm. And so I just find the, I find the, um, I find the, what's the word I'm looking for? I just, I, I find that, that, um, that combination mm-hmm. of opposites, very interesting you know to, yeah. to have them exist all in one person yeah, yeah. right um so yeah it's, it's a it's a very it's a very complicated <laughs> word for me <laughs> i i hear you um so how old were you when you came when you learned that your father had taken you from your mother did you know that when you were taken or you know was that not something you found out until later I didn't have any awareness of it until I was about 10 and my parents and the reason why I found out um, was because my parents uh, were going through another custody battle Mm -hmm. and at the time my father told me a version of these events um, that wasn't that I didn't find out were a lie basically Mm. uh, were lies until I was like 17 Mm -hmm. and I had left his house and I had wound I was actually on my way to go you know I was living with my mom and my stepdad Mm -hmm. at this point Mm -hmm. Um, after a series of 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 events um, i and after years of not having any contact with my mother following that custody battle when I was 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, I found myself living with her when I was 17 mm. and learning just how much of my life had pretty much been a lie. Mm. And the things that I had come to understand about my origins and my family history and, you know, also too just this this man that had raised me pretty much, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much all of it was just rooted in, um, lies, but then also in that, in that event, mm. um, you know, that he had taken me from her because, um, she had reached out, had tried reaching out to him for support, for help, mm-hmm. um, following her leaving the military and coming back to Philadelphia mm-hmm. with me. You know, wintertime rolled around and she was like, oh, you know, Adrian needs a coat. We were living in, you know, before this, we were living in Texas, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, where it was, it was warm. Winters are very mild and yeah. suddenly we're back in Northeast 
you know, in Northeast weather and uh, dealing with a Northeast winter. And so she's, you know, still trying to find a job. She's, you know, six months out of being in the military and she's trying to contact him and she can't. And so she reaches out to his superiors Mm -hmm. and instead of doing what any other sane person would do, which is just send some money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, my father showed up on her doorstep, um, which sounds kind of crazy, but his mother lived, you know, also is also from Philly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in a weird six degrees of separation, you know, she was actually going to, um, my great great aunt's church mm, wow <laughs> and right they had never met it was just this very strange thing mm-hmm. um but when he showed up on my mom's doorstep and was like hey i want to take adrian to go see my mom and huh. you know my mom is 19 20 years old when mm-hmm. this is happening and um you know she married my father when she was when she was 18 mm-hmm. and he was 18 and so they're you know they're very young mm-hmm. um and, you know, I was her first. She, she didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been really terrible to her. So there was also a lot of fear involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she was just like, well, okay. And, you know, that was, she was like, okay, you know, just bring her back at, you know, whatever time. And he took me. And, yeah, I went to go see his mother. But then also after that, he took me back to Texas. And then from there, took me to Alaska. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, even just learning the circumstances around that and learning that, you know, he it it wasn't just that he had gotten custody of me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even it wasn't because, you know, my mother didn't want me. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, and it wasn't that he took me out of some kind of, you know, well, this is my daughter and I love her and I want to, you know, even in a warped, twisted way, it wasn't even about love. Yeah. Right? It was really about saving his saving his own behind. Oh. Right? So, um, so, yeah, even just learning all of that, that really, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, mm-hmm. um, learning all of that. And also, too, I, re- I remember having a conversation with my mother when I was 19 where she she apologized to me. Mm. Um, we were we were in the middle of having a fight, and she apologized to me. And I said, well, you know, what are you, she was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, like, what are you sorry for? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'm sorry because I didn't love your father. Mm. And he knew that. Mm. And that caused issues in their relationship that then reverberate, that set all these other things in motion. She, she And she was like, and I married him even though I didn't love him. Mm. I actually love someone else, mm. but because I'd broken up with this person and we were fighting, I, you know, I dated your father out of spite and I married him out of spite mm. and, you know, to try to make this other person jealous who also, by the way, is my stepfather. <laughs> <So>. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> who is, who is now my stepfather. So, um, yeah, so just learning, learning all of, you know, all of these things about my origins, mm-hmm. right, and what I was born into, and learning these things about my very, at the time, young parents, mm-hmm. um, was, it was literally world-shattering mm. for me. Um, yeah. <sighs> wow. 
yes, very, very, very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So given that you were two and a half when your dad took you, what is your earliest memory of being mothered? Is it with your mother or is it with one of your stepmothers or is it with somebody else entirely? I would say it's definitely with one of my stepmothers. Mm. Um, uh, and it, it's really interesting too because my mother uh, told me, and I only learned this a few years ago actually, but um, and I don't recall this con- I don't recall this event, but I think it was because I was so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he brought me back to San Antonio, um, like a few weeks after, um, my mom got a phone call mm-hmm. and, uh, it was him mm-hmm. and he put me on the phone and he had me tell her that I had a new mommy. Oh my goodness. You know, and that I was okay and that I had a new mommy. And then he put this new woman on the phone. <sighs> and then after that, you know, then they left. Right. And then we, we, he, cause he was, he had gotten orders to Alaska mm-hmm. and, you know, then after that, my mom didn't, she didn't know anything. She didn't know where I was. She didn't, you know, for, it was about, it was about three or four, almost four years um, before she was able to locate me through the Red Cross. And, um, you know, and then I didn't, I didn't see her again mm-hmm. until I was six. And so the, the earliest memory that I have of being mothered is by someone else mm-hmm. who, um, who, who called me, I'm trying to remember the nickname. Um, I think she called me like monster. It was, it was like a nickname. It was like monster. Like I, like it was, I re, I, re, I hear her voice saying mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and it's very loving and very attentive. And it's, it's almost like in a silly voice. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I, I hear us kind of like laughing about it and it's mm-hmm. like, she's doing my hair. I'm looking out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's the earliest memory that I have of being mothered. Mm. Um, And then the very next one that I have um, with my own mother is when I, you know, I'm getting off the airplane in Philadelphia, Mm. you know, the Delta terminal and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm crying. And it's, it's interesting because when I think about it, I remember at the time, my body knew who she was mm. and I think my so like subconsciously I, I recognized her mm-hmm. because there, I because re- I was crying mm-hmm. but also there was another part of me that was very detached mm. because I I hadn't seen her I hadn't yeah. you know I, had, I yeah. had been talking to her on the phone every week for about six months before this visit happened mm-hmm. but I didn't, you know, I had, I didn't, Mm -hmm. so I, I distinctly remember that I was six years old. She, I, you know, she was hugging me and I started just crying Mm. 
and I remember feeling, you know, crying, but also at the same time feeling like very, like feeling like she was a stranger, mm-hmm. but also like I knew her. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I would say those are those are my earliest motherhood or you know mothering memories mm-hmm. that I have. And who were you as a child, and and what did that child need in the way of mothering? Well, my mom told me that I was a very happy but serious baby, mm-hmm. um, and that even as a toddler I was very serious. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Adrian, I could sit you in the middle of a room in one spot." walk away, go do something, come back, you would be in the same spot. Mm. Um, She's like, you were very serious. Um, She was like, you definitely had moments of happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you, you, you would light up and she was like, but you were, you were very serious. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my, my stepmothers, the two following my mom, um, they, tell me that I was um, I was very quiet mm. um, and part, that was large that was due in large part because of how my father was mm-hmm. um, and because you know he was very strict he had very you know very strict rules mm-hmm. um, you know I wasn't you know it was one of those children should be seen and not heard situations mm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, you know, people used to think I was mute. Wow. Um, because if we were out in public, I never said a word. I never, Mm -hmm. I learned very early on how to, um, be expressionless, Mm -hmm. both physically and emotionally. Um, and so if we were Mm -hmm. out like at a restaurant or at a store or, you know, I was, I would literally just stand in one spot and just be quiet. Mm. And I, I have memories of salespeople, like, you know, while we're at a department store, you know, coming up to me and trying to talk to me and me looking at my dad for like permission mm. to speak. And, you know, them asking, you know, them looking at him like, oh, is she, is she deaf? Is she mute? And my father would be like, no. And they'd be like, oh, well, she's so well behaved. Mm. Um, That's so interesting to me. I mean, even now with my own children, when they are quieter, mm-hmm. that that compliment, quote unquote, that your yes. child is so well behaved, that a quiet child is mm-hmm. a well behaved child. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I definitely have had to unpack that because I remember when my oldest turned three, he was just very chatty. Mm-hmm. very talkative and I remember I had a moment one day we were in the car and I was like oh my god why is it driving me nuts that he just you know because you know three-year-olds mm-hmm. they ask tons of questions they're you know yeah. they talk all the time and causing me anxiety mm-hmm. and um I flashed back to a memory of being in the car um with my father and me singing a song and him telling me to be quiet Mm. and it just reminded me that what was modeled for me was that 
children don't speak. Mm-hmm. You don't hear children. Yeah. Right? You don't hear children at all. And so for me to be in my mid-20s with a child myself who suddenly is talking mm-hmm. all the time, right? I'm, you know, like it, it was complete opposite. Like that, what had been conditioned for me mm-hmm. was that children don't talk. Mm-hmm. So to have a child my own child talking to me that was my first I remember that being my very first time becoming conscious of what I needed to do differently Mm -hmm. and understanding that what had been modeled for me as a you know uh, parenting wise Mm -hmm. um, was something that I needed to actively consciously decondition myself from Mm, mm -hmm. and like I I remember being like that was the first time I kind of made that connection that what is modeled for us as children is who we be is is what we act out as parents ourselves Mm -hmm. and that was my first awareness of that and ever since then like I have you know it's, it's a daily practice yeah yeah our parents like developing voice. that self-awareness yeah because our parents voice becomes our subconscious voice you know exactly you yes hear something enough times especially as a child and then into adolescence and again and again and again things mm-hmm. about yourself things about the world and that mm-hmm. becomes your own you know your own internal monologue you know that is definitely that is the voice you hear um yeah. So how did you learn or how are you learning to let yourself be mothered as an adult given, you know, the complex experience of, you know, being mothered as a child and as an adolescent? Uh, I think there's def- there have definitely been stages to it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one definitely a lot of therapy mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of sessions with therapists um, um some difficult conversations with my mother now that you know I'm in my mid to late 30s now and she's in her you know mid 50s mm-hmm. um establishing a lot of distance between my mother and I mm. and understanding that we, our relationship is better when there is distance involved. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, um, when I got out of the military and I had my oldest son, um, with uh, right after he, right before he turned a year old, I had to move back. You know, I was in DC in the DC metro area Mm -hmm. and I moved back up here to New Jersey. I moved back in with my parents Mm -hmm. and, um, when I met my, who's, he's my husband now. Um, and you know, and I had my second son, you know, I moved back out of the house and, um, you know, we had about, about a year and a half to two years of, you know, kind of being around, still being around my family. And, um, at a certain point, it got to the point to where I was just like, I need to move. Mm -hmm. I need to move and I need to move away. And so we wound up doing that. We left, you know, the Northeast for seven years Mm. and, you know, really kind of just established 
our own um, existence as a as a new family. And for me, it was definitely an exercise in establishing boundaries mm-hmm. um, so that I could take care of myself and so that I could do a lot of this heavy lifting mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. I needed to do emotionally and mentally. And so, you know, so therapy, boundaries, um, having a partner who has been through his own traumatic upbringing mm-hmm. and who is also very committed to not repeating and perpetuating the same cycles mm-hmm. of dysfunction and trauma and abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it helps that he's older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 11 years older than me and he, he, he sees me in a way that most don't. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's my biggest cheerleader, even though we are complete opposites and (laughs) there's so much that we don't always agree on. Mm -hmm. Um, he has always been about my self evolution and growth and healing. And he has been, you know, the main voice saying like, no, your family's dysfunctional as hell. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, no, it's not normal. No, you know. And sometimes you just need somebody to say that out loud who's not you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so he, you know, so having that type of a partner, um, you know, we've been to couples counseling, um, which has also helped me work through some of the, you know, issues that I have with trust and vulnerability and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's interesting because I'm, I've, we did a lot of work around that, um, a few years ago and I'm kind of circling back to it now and it's, I'm, I'm being pushed, um, not by anyone other than just my own evolution, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of just heal on a deeper level and do some deeper work around it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's also causing me to subconsciously freak out a lot. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but it's, it's, so it's that, and it's also just understanding that this is kind of like a, it's, it's a lifelong process and it's one that kind of just comes in cycles Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I try to give myself as much grace and patience as I can throughout it. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, you know, my kids, my kids are, um, you know, I, I didn't plan on having children. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was 19 having this argument with my mom in the middle of Target um, because she was like, you owe me grandkids. I was like, I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I, I, just, I didn't ask to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't owe you any grandchildren. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, if any, you'd be like, if I adopt, you'll be lucky. Um, <laughs> and jokes on me because three kids later. Um, <laughs> um, but no, each you know, I I am grateful for my kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't plan on becoming a mother myself. They have definitely um, helped me heal Mm. and helped me, you know, I don't think I I would have been able to face uh, the dysfunction and trauma 
um, that I've, that I've been through Mm -hmm. if I didn't have them, because each one, you know, being a single parent with my oldest, having postpartum depression with my, with my middle son, and then having incredible experience with, um, you know, just having a baby with my third, Mm -hmm. um, each experience has really just healed a different part of me mm-hmm. and helped me kind of dig deep and and work through the stuff that I've needed to, to work through in order to mother them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, having having kids has helped me face myself and face um, the things that need healing so that, you know, that cycles of, of trauma and abuse can can stop with me yeah and has has the work that you've done on yourself and you know what you have learned and are learning uh through mothering your sons has that allowed you to learn to mother yourself yes I think I'm still I think I'm just now getting to the point to where mothering myself involves nurturing and loving myself um, on a much deeper level and in a way that really gets to the root of um, my issues with abandonment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm learning now that it's really about you know, I've gotten very good at abandoning myself. Mm. And that is kind of where I'm at right now in terms of mothering myself is learning how to walk away from self-neglect, mm. you know, from those patterns and those behaviors that reinforce that. Yes. Um, and that encouraged me to ab- abandon myself because, you know, I, you know, I've, I've been a stay at home mom. I've, you know, I've, I've for years thought that I needed to, I needed to be all and do all mm-hmm. right in order to, you know, be a good mom or in order to, but it, it just created so much imbalance in my life and in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, in my work. And so I'm, I'm currently in a place where I'm unpacking all of that and I'm processing it and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, kind of rewire my brain and my, my emotions and myself or, you know, into going a different way Yeah. Um, and caring for myself in ways that I haven't allowed myself to before. Um, I'm not good with, I'm not good with being tender towards myself or Mm. with, you know, really just even just resting Mm -hmm. my body. Um, But bodies and life have a way of forcing (laughs) you (laughs) to do that. And so, um, you know, after I had my, my middle son, you know, I had to, I had to deal with the impact, you know, that my trauma has had on my mental health. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, you know, I have a, a chronic physical health issue, mm. um, and that is forcing me to address my emotional health. Mm-hmm. And you know, because I had 
a therapist this summer told me, she said, you know, you've gotten really good at intellectualizing your trauma. Mm. Yeah. She was yeah. like, which is great for your mental health mm-hmm. on a certain level. She was like, but I think what you're learning now is that, you know, just like says you really does keep and so she's like, I think you developing this autoimmune condition now is revealing to you all of these patterns of self-neglect and, and self-abandonment. And but also too, just the the fact that tr- this trauma that you've experienced, it still lives in you. Mm-hmm. And so you the only way to, to get it out or to process it so that you can heal even more deeply is that, you know, one, it has to move. Mm-hmm. But then two you know, um, you have to feel. Mm. And for me, going back to my childhood, that's something that, you know, I got very good at being expressionless Mm -hmm. and at, you know, not feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where I'm at now is, is allowing myself to feel what I need to feel and then mothering myself as I yeah odd feeling (laughs) and experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I know it's a necessary one so yeah I really appreciate you sharing this and allowing someone else you know to hear this and hear their own story and yours um and know that they're not alone you know that this isn't that they are not, you know, out on a limb by themselves. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Definitely not out there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. By any means. One of the gifts of not just doing the work myself to heal and kind of work through all, all that I've experienced, um, but it's also allowed me to... Um, hold my mother accountable Mm -hmm. for her actions and her behavior and for, you know, the choices that she made Mm -hmm. that impacted me, Mm -hmm. um, while also seeing her as a human Mm -hmm. and under, like, it's like, I see her with eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I also, I look at her and I see a woman, I see a mother Mm-hmm. working also working through her own abandonment issues because her father left when she mm. was young yeah right yeah. and you know really like I look at my mom and I'm like okay she's in her mid-50s but there are parts of her that are still six yeah. that are still 10 mm. right and that's where you know her limitations in mothering me mm-hmm. in varying ways that's where the, that's where they're rooted that, mm-hmm. that's that's where they that's where they originate from mm-hmm. right and and that and that's why and so I you know I I have a very I guess in some ways compartmentalized um I've been able to compartmentalize my my thoughts and feelings and emotions about you know my mom and our relationship um but it's allowed me to just be able to kind of see her for all of who she is Mm, mm -hmm. and also be able to see, you know, the unresolved, you know, the Mm -hmm. little girl in Mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Who, you know, also went through some things and, you know, she, 
she's it's allowed me to kind of in a weird way give her some grace Mm -hmm. while also at the same time having my own boundaries to be like I mean I hear you I see you I know why but at the same time (laughs) you know know, like (laughs) yes um, that doesn't mean I I have to take it on (laughs) yes and I can still draw a boundary while Mm -hmm. also holding grace for her yeah it's a very it's it's a very interesting um tension um to experience but um it is also a gift because it it has it has taught me that you know we are we are human and if anything that's what I want to pass on to my own boys that like I'm a person Mm, yes I'm a person like I'm your mom but one I don't belong to you yes I belong to myself first Mm -hmm. and I am a whole person and I need you to understand that. So that way, when you're in therapy, when you're 30 (laughs) and you come to me and you're like, mom, you know, (laughs) you're angry about something that I did or the day that I yelled at you or that, you know, something Mm -hmm. I said, or, you know, you don't understand. I want you to be able to just, you know, hold me accountable, but see me as a full person too. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that is something that we, especially as black women, um, culturally uh within our own culture and then within larger culture of course because patriarchy and Mm -hmm. all that um we we are not given that space Mm -hmm. we're not given that luxury and we don't even give it to ourselves yes let alone to our kids right Mm -hmm. um so i just think it's so important that that we that we do that work Mm -hmm. so that we can yeah, so that we can live free as a whole right. human beings. <laughs> yes, and so when our when our kids go on and you know find partners, mm-hmm. you know they go into that more, with a more uh, realistic mm-hmm. view of people. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata.